Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. What would the world look like if women had money rights from the start of time? I would imagine a very different world. On this episode, in honor of International Women's Day, I'm highlighting five historical women who have changed money and the takeaways you can apply to your life right now. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. 
It's true that women have largely been left out of the business and financial world. You don't have to be living under a rock to know that if you are a female in today's society, no matter what age you are, you know that there are definitely some hurdles that we've had to overcome. And quite frankly, we aren't as far as we need to be. So that goes back to my question that I posed at the beginning of this episode. What would the world look like if women had money rights from the start of time? I can only imagine that that would be an even more exciting world because women, we just contribute a lot to financial systems, to businesses, to families, to relationships. We have a really important, really important role. As I was researching for this episode, I came across this article in American history, and I needed to share this with you because I think this is really interesting about women on money, since we're talking about women in money. So this article said that although women have regularly appeared on money around the world, historic women have rarely been included on money issued by the U.S. government. That's not a surprise there, right? (laughs) Since the federal government began issuing paper money all the way back in 1861, male historic figures have almost exclusively enjoyed this honor. Pocahontas and Martha Washington are the only two exceptions, with both appearing on U.S. paper money for a relatively short period of time in the 19th century. So women, we can't even get ourselves, we can't even get our faces on money. I mean, that that is just how crazy of a society, of a system uh, that there is. And I think even more interesting that uh, countries around the world, other countries other than the United States, have really embraced women figures and embraced them on money, embraced them in the economy. We obviously have a long way to go here in the U.S. And women have been pushing their way into equality for years It was 1963, which is actually not that long ago that the Equal Pay Act was passed, although, of course, we still have a long way to go on that front, and 1974, which really wasn't that long ago, when the Equal Credit Opportunity Act made it illegal for credit card companies to discriminate against women. Up until that point of time, a credit card company could deny an application from a woman just because it was a woman. I mean, that right there just blows my mind. And the fact that there are probably quite a few women listening to this episode that were born before 1974 and knew that to actually be a reality. My mom shares these stories of she was born in the 40s, so growing up in the 50s and the 60s and really having unequal rights, women did. But the interesting thing was that she didn't think a lot about it. I mean, her perception was, well, this is just kind of the world we're in. So to her have a a daughter that now really pushes up against all of these narratives, she finds it both like really interesting and also, you know, it stops to, I guess I should say she really stops to answer the questions herself. What would the world look like if I would have had equal rights as a woman back when I was a kid or a teenager or even early 20s. So I think it's really interesting. If you're a woman listening, you know, though, that we still have a long way to go. But thanks to these five female pioneers, 
I know our future is a lot brighter. So the first historical woman I want to talk about, her, she was known as Hetty Green. Her formal name was Henrietta Robinson. She lived from 1834 to 1916. And she is believed to have been the wealthiest woman of her generation in the United States. And during that time frame, that is definitely a badge of honor. She was connected on her mother's side to one of the great mercantile families in New England. So there was definitely some financial resources in the family. I love this. In 1865, both her father and maternal aunt died, leaving not the, not the part that they died. <laughs> not that part. But they left her in their will a total of about $10 million in outright bequests and trust funds. So this really helped her kind of get that, that start, right, in really building her worth. I mean, if you left any of us $10 million right now, I hope that we would definitely be able to use it for our good. Obviously, $10 million back then was a lot larger sum of money than it is even today. But her father and her grandfather had taught her all about money and business all the way from childhood which was really rare back then. It was rare for a woman to be in the conversation about money, but her father and her grandfather really saw her value. They didn't look at her as a, as a female that couldn't handle money or whatever the stereotypes back then. So when her father passed away in 1865, this is the part that I like, he bequested the money to her because he knew that she could handle the money, that she knew what to do. She also became uh, what they call a major and feared operator on Wall Street, where in addition to extensive holdings in railroad and other stocks and government bonds, she maintained a considerable liquid fund for lending purposes. So she liked to be able to lend out money. And I love this from Britannia as I was researching her. It says, as her fortune grew, Hetty Green, sometimes called the Witch of Wall Street, I don't know if I really like that title, but that's what she was given. She continued to live with her son and daughter in inexpensive lodging, avoiding any display of wealth in virtually all society. So she had this idea that even though she was worth a lot of money, she didn't want to flash it about. She didn't want to spend it. She really wanted to use it to build generational wealth and to be able to pass down what was passed down to her to future generations. And she got that nickname, the Witch of Wall Street, because she was becoming a successful woman in a man's game, which investing was back then. Investing is still pretty much under that guise, although of course we've made quite a lot of headway, but still you, you definitely can see that's not a far reach. She was one of the pioneers of value investing, so she did not believe in a buy and hold approach. She really believed in looking at the companies, looking at the management, like finding those valuable companies, and that's what she decided to invest in. I thought this was interesting too. She bailed out New York City, the whole city, following the panic of 1907 when the banks refused to do so. She stepped in and lended some of her money to the entire New York City area. Just crazy if you think about it. So I think what's so great about her is that 
she has this really unique money story. So she obviously grew up with this idea that just because you have money doesn't mean you need to spend a lot of money. So she also has this money story of growing up with a father and a grandfather, men in her life that saw an importance in teaching her about money. And I can only imagine that that definitely set her course. When she died, she had an estate more than $100 million, which in 1916, that was a massive, a massive amount of money. And I think another takeaway from her story is that you don't have to become a pioneer investing. You just have to start somewhere. So whether it's a 401k at your company, hopefully there's a match that goes along with that. If not, at least you're just investing in your 401k or an IRA or a Roth IRA, whatever it might be that you're starting somewhere. Of course, the younger you start, the better, but honestly, starting at any age, it earns you a gold star. You have to get compound growth from your money somewhere, right? Money has to lift off of (laughs) whatever is sitting in your checking account and even your savings account, because most of us have money in savings accounts that aren't earning hardly any interest. So we might as well just have it in our checking account. So I use this three bucket approach that I like. You can definitely seal this if it works for you. Bucket number one is we've got our now money that we're going to keep in our bank account. So this is the money we're going to use to pay our bills, go out to eat, all of those fun things. The second bucket of money is safe money. And this is in a high yield savings account. And this is for goals and emergency fund and all of that stuff, right? We want to keep this money safe, but we want to grow it just a little bit, right? I think high yield savings accounts right now are mm, maybe earning a percent. It's not great right now. Once they start raising the interest rates, that will change. And, um, you know, there's a plus and minus with everything with money. And then we have our future bucket of money. That's our investing, our retirement accounts, our real estate, our business, all of these other things. So I really use this three bucket approach and I think it helps really define where your money is and what you're using it for. I would have to imagine that Hetty Green had some really interesting uh, money tips. I would have loved to sit down with her and gosh, just pick her brain about what it was like to be this investing pioneer and what it was like to have this relationship with men in your life at a time when women, again, were not in this money conversation, but she had this invitation from her father and her grandfather and just how much confidence that would have given you. I don't know, maybe you're in a situation where when you grew up, There wasn't talk about money at your house. Maybe there was a fear around money. Maybe there were arguments or stress or whatever it might be. Whatever it is, we carry that into our adulthood. And if we don't spend time to really think about that and to think about the impact it's had, we're completely overlooking a big piece of the recipe to our money success. One of the exercises I do in my money mindset journal is a money story exercise where I ask you all sorts of different questions about how you were raised, how you feel about money, how you think about money, what are the things that make you excited, what are the things that make you totally stressed out. And it's all about uncovering this money story because we all have one. And once you understand your story, then we can work on the relationship that you have with money. 
All right, our next female figure, which you probably have heard her name, is Madam C.J. Walker, and she lived from 1867 to 1919, and she was dubbed the first black woman millionaire in America, which again is a very, very amazing title to hold. She had this home line of hair care products for black women, and after she suffered her own hair issues, her own hair loss, she came up with this Walker system, these these products that she uses, I think that's just such a great entrepreneurial tip as well. Like create what you need, create the thing that doesn't exist in the world or the version of it that doesn't exist, but that would really help you. I think that's the first way to uh, to creating great entrepreneurship uh, legacy for yourself. Her parents were Louisiana sharecroppers who had been born into slavery, and she was determined to have quite a different life than her parents. So she was actually the first in her family of siblings to be born after the Emancipation Proclamation. And the success of her business really enabled her to live in homes that were a far cry from the one that she had grown up in. She had this fancy Manhattan townhouse and that actually became a salon for members of her of her hair club uh, of the Harlem Renaissance when her daughter inherited in the 1920s. I love this quote from her. She says, I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I have built my own factory on my own ground. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, I just want to celebrate her success and, and think about what it took at that time as a black woman to build a successful business to really claim millionaire status. She was also very uh, philanthropy-minded. She donated to many causes, became this advocate for hiring women who didn't get a lot of job opportunities back then. She really wanted to promote women running businesses, women in businesses, obviously women cultivating wealth for themselves. So she is remembered as this pioneering Black female entrepreneur who inspired so many with her financial independence business acumen and philanthropy. And I think the takeaway from Madam C.J. Walker is just that. She created independence. She created a solution for something that didn't exist. And she believed so, so much in it, right? That's how it really uh, sparked and people got really excited about what she had created. And then what she created that wealth she wanted to use that wealth to really create the life that she would have wanted to live in. I think that's the important thing when you think about wealth. I don't want you to just think about a number. Oh, I want to get to a million or five million or 10 million or whatever that is. That's really great. But what does that mean? What does that number mean to you? How is that going to change your world? And don't just tell me you'll be debt free. Like how, how are you going to use that money? that is wealth, right? And it doesn't have to be about a certain amount of money. You could decide right now that you want to be about financial independence. You want to be about business acumen and you want to be about philanthropy. Give what you can, do what you can, create the independence that you can 
right now. I think another thing that I really took away from her story is that we can all think like entrepreneurs. So whether you are one or you aren't one, we can all think about like calculating risk and the decisions that we're making. We can figure out how we want to use our money and then you can think like a CEO of your money, right? So that means things like having weekly money dates and setting goals, creating this grand vision for how you want to live your life and then plugging in the money into that, right? Because then it's connected to your why. It's connected to some emotional center that you're going to stay more committed to actually seeing these goals through. I would imagine that Madam CJ Walker would definitely get on board with that message. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. 
And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Next, we have Abigail Adams. She lived from 1744 to 1818 and was primarily known as the wife of founding father, John Adams. She was really noteworthy in her own right for fighting for financial independence during a time when doing so was largely unheard of for married women. Married women at that time, they just kind of fell in step behind their husbands. They didn't really have a voice. They didn't do a lot outside of the house. And Abigail believed that women needed to have this voice. She was considered to be one of the founders of the United States because she did vocalize uh, some really important issues around women. She was also a pioneer that handled all the money in her family and was a very skilled investor. So I love this because the stats today are that more women handle finances in the family, in the relationships than men do. But we don't talk about that a lot right? I think that's really interesting. And I love that she was like, hey, okay, I know you're the president of the United States. You probably got some mad money skills. However, I want you to just go out there and you be the president and I'm going to do this money stuff. I'm going to invest. I'm going to grow our wealth. I'm going to handle our family finances. Like I got this all situated here. I love that she was really owning her skills that way. Now, 
in your relationship, in your family, it doesn't matter if it's the male or the female, whoever handles the money. It really doesn't matter. It just needs to be clear communication, respect between partners. And also you both need to really understand what's going on. So even if one person is the point person, the other person at least has got to have pretty good idea of, of what the heck is going on, right? Too many of us just back out of the money conversation because we're like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. She deals with it. He deals with it. I don't really, I don't really want to know about it. But that doesn't really put you in a safe space when it comes to money. Just a little food for thought. Abigail was also one of only two women who have been both wife and mother of two U.S. presidents. Interesting. She really supported education and independence for women. And uh, she wrote to her husband, John, in 1778 that you need not to be told how much female education is neglected, nor how fashionable it has been to ridicule female learning. So she was really an advocate that as women, we need to learn, we need to be educated, we need to have access to the same amount of information as our husband's. So she was really seen again as the one who grew her family's wealth during her lifetime. And many people credit her for uh, creating longstanding generational wealth. I think some of the takeaways from Abigail is to just constantly be learning and growing when it comes to money and also not to be afraid of money. Again, this is a lesson to anyone in a relationship where the other person handles the money. Have, please have, please promise me. You'll have an easily accessible list of accounts, logins, passwords, just in case. We need to have all the just in case stuff while we're also building and growing our money because the just in case stuff happens a lot. <laughs> so have these regular money discussions and Ladies, if you are the one who control the money in the house, I want you to own that position. I want you to be proud of, of having that role because we can look back to, you know, the early 1800s, which I realize is, is a while ago, but it's not that long ago where women just weren't in the conversation. Okay, our next person I want to highlight, she's still alive, uh, so her story is still to be written, but her name is Stacey Cunningham, and she is the second female president of the New York Stock Exchange, but the first to hold full leadership of the exchange. This is a big deal because back in the 90s, when Stacey was working the stock exchange floor, there were only about 30 women on the floor, and she was also often referred to as the girl, which I cannot stand. I can tell you from years of working in the financial industry that I have been called honey, sweetie, the secretary, um, baby, everything that you would just literally want to squash someone for saying. <laughs> I have been called that. So I definitely understand what it's like to be a woman working in a quote unquote man's world. And there's really no excuse for it anymore. We're in 2022, right? If you haven't gotten the message yet, I, I really don't know how loud we need to um, how loud we need to turn up the speakers, right? Because now is the time to drop all that nonsense. So I would imagine that Stacy was very frustrated at that time in her life. 
She did step down in 2021, which was a bit of a shakeup, but under under her guidance, the New York Stock Exchange has really undergone a series of changes that have helped to bring about this new era in capital markets, right? It was really her time there that really shifted things. I mean, this was really when the fintech movement started. People started investing through apps and um, all sorts of things, right? There's, there's just so different attention, I think, these days on investing, um, a, another level of accessibility. It's really exciting. So she's got a, a short story, but a very impactful story. And I think some of my takeaways are that you really need to chart your own course and not apologize. So she could have said, you know, it's never happened before. There's never been a female to hold full leadership of the stock exchange. And that could have stopped her from advancing forward. But she was like, no, this is my skill set. This is what I'm good at. And I'm going to create change in this very male dominated industry. And there's still a long way to go when it comes to investing, um, certainly when it comes to the New York Stock Exchange. But she was definitely a pioneer in opening the door for many, many other women to come. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. 
Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. So our last female that I want to highlight, Maggie Lena Walker. Uh, she was born 1864, lived in 1934. She was born into poverty, didn't go to college, but was the first woman in the U.S. to charter a bank. So she founded a bank called St. Luke's Penny Savings Bank. Before that, she started a department store from scratch. So she really has these entrepreneurial skills that have transformed black business practices while also inspiring other women to enter the field. So she always focused her efforts on accounting and math. And her first business venture was a community insurance company for women. So, I mean, Maggie was just like wave on her pro woman flag all day long, every day. And she also built a bank that was not only for adults, she really wanted to create legacy and to teach kids the importance of having savings accounts. So it was one of the first banks that really opened up the ability for kids to have savings accounts and to start growing their own savings, like really having these money conversations, which I think was was amazing. If we look at the years she lived, again, we're talking about this time where women weren't in this conversation. So to create a bank, to create the first woman bank, to create a bank that also focused on kids and not just adults was really a game changer. I love this too. I think this is a really something important to highlight about her. Her bank survived the Great Depression. So it was one of very few banks in the United States that actually came out of the Great Depression, kind of, you know, dusted off her clothes a little bit and was like, we're okay. We've built something strong enough that we actually survived during that worst time in history. And her later in life, her bank did consolidate into two larger banks, but it's still operational today. So I think a couple of takeaways from her story was this idea of what are your money values? Have you ever created them? So clearly she had some money values women first, kids, creating opportunities, uh, promoting, saving, and building wealth. So I, I created this three-step list that I, I put together last year, but I want to share it with you. I use it to measure any money decisions against, and it'd be a good idea for you. So the three lists are, the first list is, I care a lot. So things I care a lot about. Second is, I mildly care, like I care, but I'm not like over the board caring, right? And three is, you know, I don't give two craps about it list. So I care a lot. I care kind of in the middle and I don't really care a lot. Then I wrote down my value. So I'm just going to give you a few examples, right? <laughs> Yours are hopefully going to be 
a lot more interesting. Uh, I just want to give you some sort of frame here for what I'm thinking. So on list number one, I said, I care about helping people cross a bridge between where you're at now and where you want to be. I also personally care a lot about paying off high interest debt, something that I care a lot about. So on my mildly care list, I say I mildly care about what money tracking system I use. I've tried them all. They all have pluses and minuses. I'm just going to pick one. There isn't anything I'm absolutely in love with, but I know it's really important to be tracking my money and tracking my spending because that's really where I can create change. So I care a lot about tracking my spending, don't really care about the system that I use. And then on my, I really don't care list. Um, I don't care about what the weather is each day. It doesn't impact how I approach my money. <laughs> There's a lot stronger things on my, I don't care about list, but I just want to give you a little one, right? This is just a little food for thought. So think about this as you're thinking about your values how do your values line up with your money choices? That's an important piece of the conversation, whether we're talking about investing, how you're spending your money, how you're saving your money, who you're giving your money to. It's important to just understand where you line up. And we go through life and we don't have these conversations with ourselves. So this stuff kind of goes unwritten, unspoken. And that's how we can make a lot of decisions where in hindsight, we're like, really shouldn't have done that. I really didn't like that. I knew it wasn't going to be a good idea, whatever it might be. I'm sure you probably have a few things that are coming to mind. So as I was putting this episode together, there are just so many women I could highlight here. I could probably come up with a list of 50 women at least that have really changed money, that have changed money in our society, that have been strong proponents of financial literacy, financial independence, creating opportunities, opening the door for women, creating bridges, whatever you want to call it. There are just so many women out there doing amazing work, including so many guests that we have had on this show. On our Sunday episode, I'm going to be sharing a mashup of some of the brilliant women who have been on the show that are helping women create wealth and more importantly, step into the life that you want to live. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you loved it, learning about these five historical women who have changed money and what you can learn from them, please do me the highest favor and share this with a friend or family member. Also, if you have a moment, head on over to the podcast player you're listening to this episode in right now and leave us a review for the show. All the reviews help this show to continue growing and continue to get even more great guests on this show. I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.